Alright, and welcome back to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back off World Cup duty to bring you guys another episode in the newly started Heat versus Thunder debate. So, the B-Shows get another look out here and we come back for round two. Apologies for the lack of episodes in the last week or two. Uh, my hard drive on my laptop, which I have all the recording stuff, crashed completely. And I had to go into a PC repair place to have a new hard drive installed. And they recovered as much of my data as they could. Um, but the podcast is going to be back up and running now. Um, a few little things we're going to fix up before some of the other episodes come out. But we are back and away. Anywho, this week's episode of Heat and Thunder, as I said, Episode number two for Heat. Um, And Heat drew a 4.2 rating. Thunder's rating, I was unable to locate at this stage, but I can tell you they came from the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota, and had a capacity, uh, not a capacity crowd, but a a large crowd of over 20,000 people. So pretty impressive for Thunder at this point. Um, Last week's shows, both really decent quality. I enjoyed watching them, certainly making a, a good change from 1995 or some of the 80s stuff Richie and I are trying to get through at the moment for our next show. Um, but this again, more good wrestling, really in the sweet spot for me, 1998. We watched Heat first, so let's go and check out what the WWF had to offer and see how it compares up against WCW Thunder, which has been running that little bit longer. Heat starts off with a whole bunch of pyro. Yes, remember when that was a staple of the WWF, pyro. And Shane McMahon welcoming us to the hottest, hippest show on TV. So, yeah, Shane trying to be cool but not quite getting the groove just yet. Um, the commentary team to start off with will be JR and Shane McMahon. So, still trying to figure that one out on week two. And we see replays of the angle from Raw with The Undertaker and Kane hitting Mankind with a chair. Was it an accident? Was it on purpose? Are the brothers in cahoots? We're well on the way to the highway to health for those of you that remember this period of time. First match is going to be Vader taking on Mark Henry. But before we get there, Kane and Paul Bearer and Mankind all come out for a promo. Um, Foley cuts a really, really good promo on the fans, talking about how they don't care as his body is slowly being broken down from the years of abuse, citing especially the Hell in a Cell match from June, and challenges The Undertaker to a match on this evening's show. This is really classic Foley, um, just really, really getting into his groove here. Um, I know his promos, when he feels like he's got a, a genuine beef, always come off that little bit better, and this is definitely in that groove. Shane McMahon, of course, is at commentary here with the girls again, a la last week. I didn't mention that when we opened. And then we go to that first contest we talked about, Vader and Mark Henry, the Battle of the Big Men. They exchanged some pie faces to start with. And then a spot that I just could not believe, very, very early doors in the match. Mark Henry just picks up Vader for a press slam. Holy fucking shit, that was incredible. This takes him to the outside for a big brawl. Mark Henry comes back in and hits an elbow for a two count before Vader hits his big ho-train attack in the corner and then a splash for a two count. A short clothesline, and we see that this has actually busted open the mouth of Mark Henry. Mark Henry comes back with a clothesline and then four splashes 
splashes on Vader, and eventually the referee rings for the bell um, and just calls it off because Vader is being pummeled by Mark Henry. Could not believe they were doing this with Vader. And then listening to the announcement, it's actually not been called off for... Um, you know, referee stoppage. Mark Henry has been disqualified for apparently hitting too many big splashes. What a stupid ending. This match actually started pretty good and had some potential. I wouldn't have minded to see these guys get oh, eight or nine minutes on pay-per-view and just beat the living shit out of each other. But we didn't get that much here and the lame ending really did put a stop to this becoming anything too good. From there, we go to Michael Cole, who is with Undertaker in the locker room, and he t- talks about making a statement later on in the show. So, really keeps it pretty, um, doesn't really allude to too much about what he's going to do on this night before we go to a commercial break. When we come back, it's time for the Headbangers and Draws taking on Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice. Um, before we get started, we pan to the crowd and see a guy in a really baggy, shiny FUBU shirt. So we're definitely in 1998 here, and that made me smile. Um, we get the um, Southern Justice sorry, come out and are dressed up with Dennis Knight in a business shirt and tie, and Mark Canterbury slightly lessly dressed in a polo shirt, but it's still quite daunting here. Um, it does make me laugh a bit. The action gets underway, and we have a big high kick from Dennis Knight and a slam from Mark Canterbury, a double team on Mosh, and then a drop kick and a big clothesline by Dennis Knight. There's no heat to any of this. The crowd's really not into it. We go back into a a six-man brawl, and we have a disqualification finish, so a pretty crap ending to a crap match. Southern Justice lay over on out and leave them some business cards, which was their new gimmick at the time. For those of you not familiar, Southern Justice is basically the attempted repackaging of Phineas and Henry Godwin um, to get them out of the pig farmer gimmick, which was a little bit blasé by you know, the late 90s when the Attitude Era was starting. Uh, it doesn't really work. Mark Canterbury doesn't stick around too much longer, and Dennis Knight is given another couple more repackagings that attempts to really get him over before he eventually leaves the company within a couple of years. Um, not much going on here, but the next match was something I was certainly excited for. We see Taka Michinoku taking on X-Park, and this had a lot of potential to be a good match. We get started with a crutch chop and a bow from X-Park. So a little bit of sexual innuendo met with some casual racism gets us the start here. Um, We've been teasing a DX breakup, um, talking about, especially on Raw last week, the match that they were building up was Triple H taking on X-Park for the number one contendership to the Intercontinental title. And China screwed X-Park over. So Triple H will be the one getting that Intercontinental title shot at SummerSlam. In the ring, Tucker hits a nice spin kick and a missile drop kick. Shane says that John Wayne Bobbitt will be on Raw with Val Venus tomorrow night. For those of you not familiar, I suggest you Google him and see which mis- what misfortune he came up with. Uh, Tucker misses a top rope splash. X-Pac hits a flapjack and a spin kick, followed by a Bronco Buster. And the X-Factor for a three count. This brings out Kai and Tai who jump X-Pac, but DX come out and make the save. And the segment ends with China nailing Mr. Yamaguchi. It was a real shame they didn't give these guys more time, much like in the Vader-Mark Henry match, although this one more so. It certainly had the potential to be a lot more than what it was. But this is Sunday Night Heat, and we've got to breeze through things, so nothing too much to write home about there. Our next matchup after that one is Bradshaw taking on Dustin Rhodes. So, at the start of the match, Dustin Rhodes offers a handshake, but eats a big boot by Bradshaw, who then goes into total beatdown mode, just kicking the shit out of Dustin. They brawl along the outside, and when they come back in, Brad, Bradshaw sorry, hits a back suplex for a two-count. We hear on commentary, Draws is going to challenge Jeff Jarrett for a match tonight. Bradshaw hits a flying shoulder and the clothesline from hell for the 1-2-3 in a complete squash match. So... 
Dustin Rhodes is certainly not getting over in this new um, good guy religious gimmick. It won't be much longer for this world, but we do have to suffer through a little bit more first. But for now, he has been put down by the future JBL. We then go to our newest segment of Draws' World. I was going to splice these in for you, but they're not very good on telly, let alone listening to it in audio. It's basically just Draws and a bunch of talking heads and cutting in and out of going, Draws' World, talking about his tattoos this week. I guess Draws' tattoos in 1998 were a big deal, whereas now they'd actually be quite tame by comparison. So, yeah, if you want to watch it, go and check out Heat, the second episode on the network. We then go to the contest we just talked about, Draws taking on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Draws hits a sidewalk slam and a back elbow, followed by a power slam for a two count. And the commentators are both ragging on Jeff Jarrett, talking about how he's going to need to change things up if he wants to get ahead, basically talking about how outdated his gimmick is. Um, Spoiler alert, it's only a few weeks away before he starts to make those radical changes they say he needed to make, and it still doesn't really get him any higher up the card. Jerry hits a baseball slide and a top rope crossbody for a two count, a DDT, a Russian leg sweep, a snap suplex, uh, all game, two counts, and then he puts on a sleeper. Draws comes back with a clothesline and the headbangers come down to make sure Southern Justice don't get too involved. We get a head clash in the ring and Tennessee Lee tosses his boot in, but Draws intercepts it and nails Jeff Jarrett for the one, two, three. After the match, Jeff Jarrett and Tennessee Lee have a little bit of a row while Southern Justice stand by, and Tennessee Lee eventually tells Jarrett that he's messed with the wrong guy and Southern Justice need to get him, but in a bit of a swerve, bro, Southern Justice attack Tennessee Lee and leave him laying, so they basically, the storyline here is Jeff Jarrett has dumped Tennessee Lee and Southern Justice have gone with him rather than the um, wannabe Colonel Sanders. And that will take us through to our main event. Well, supposedly, anyway, stay with me. Mankind comes out uh, to challenge the Undertaker, but Kane comes out with him and chokeslams Mankind off the apron through the announce table and then turns around and nails Paul Bearer. He then picks up the steel steps and attacks Mankind with them before hitting a tombstone on the floor and pulling off his mask to reveal it is, in fact, The Undertaker. Holy shit, great ending to the second ever episode of Sunday Night Heat. This is one of them angles that I think he he did it twice from memory. I think he might have done it on Vince as a heel later on, but The Taker pulling off the mask to reveal that it's not Kane is something that I always loved, stuck in my memory, and I didn't see it coming here at all. It was brilliant. So, so good. Um, I want to say, as a kid, I remember wanting a Jack's Pacific figure where it was Kane with a removable mask that revealed it to be The Undertaker, and I could never find it anyway. This is pre-eBay too, folks, so showing my age a little bit now but that's okay and yeah it's just one of them things that it was just absolutely awesome i don't know how i even saw this because i certainly never seen an episode of sunday night heat it must have been on a wrap-up video or superstars recap or something but it was absolutely awesome it doesn't go for all that long and you know to some people it might just be a throwaway angle but for me this really left a big memory on me so highly enjoyable not the greatest episode of heat with the matches all being either too short or not that great but the ending saved it and some certainly um some good character development and storyline advancement considering yeah it's a b show so heat gets a bit of a thumbs up from me it's time to head over to thunder which is a little bit longer and see if wcw put the same level of effort into their show and how they come off head to head so let's do it Come on, you know I got ya. Yeah, one. Break the wall. Break down the 
Thunder, as we said before, comes to us from the um, Wells Fargo Centre in Fargo, North Dakota. And we have the big 20,000 crowd. And the commentary team are Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Lee Marshall. Apologies for the little theme introduction there, but since every time I try and watch this era of WCW, the network insists on putting Chris Jericho's theme in place of his WCW one, I thought I'd have a little bit of fun with it and put it in place of the Thunder theme here. Opening matchup is Scott Hall taking on K-Dog, and Scott Hall, as was the style at the time, hits us with a survey. Uh, the Wolfpack clearly wins if you listen to the crowd, but Scott Hall no-sells that as he's wont to do, and then we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Scott Hall is not the only one that can grab the mic and rock it before the match begins. It's time for K-Dog's little spiel. And don't forget, K-Dog was the very first Wolfpack member. Very good, he's got the mic Let again. me speak on this. Orale! Arriba la raza! Now let me get my bang on. Scott, you be talking about the black and white is for life. But you know, the Wolfpack somos unos vatos locos forever. But more importantly than that, I want everybody to know that Fargo, North Dakota, and the Wolfpack is Bowdy Bowdy and. After they've had their little chats on the microphone, Scott Hall throws his toothpick, as was his custom at the time, to K-Dog, who comes back with some um, lewd gestures referencing his penis. Let's find a nice way to say that. Um, and they go into some chain wrestling, and they exchange some paintbrushes. We see a sign in the crowd that says, who booked this crap? And let me tell you, friend, just wait another year or two, and you will be asking that a lot more. Scott Hall hits his SOS for a two. The crowd are really behind Kanan, K-Dog and Conan, the combination of the two, the man that's in the ring. Um, Hall locks on the abdominal stretch and hip tosses, uh, Conan hip tosses out of it. He comes back with an X-Factor and then a rolling lariat before Hall hits a low kick to the balls. Conan comes back with a small package for a two. Scott Hall clotheslines him and hits the razor's edge for the one, two, three. The, we see replays of the momentum of Conan being stopped with that ball shot. And it's not mentioned on commentary. It wasn't mentioned live, and they don't mention it on the replay. So this is just a, an example in WCW of the finishes and the angles not being really given to the commentators ahead of time and then missing it. So not good stuff here at all. The commentators chat about the NWO and Goldberg and their ongoing rivalry before we go to a commercial break. When we come back, it is Raven, again to his WWF theme, coming out to take on Horace Hogan. So, yeah, that's definitely still a thing. Raven cuts a promo on Horace for insubordination because he'd been a member of the flock and wasn't doing what he was told before Raven jumps him and then basically keeps on beating on him while he's talking. Lodi comes in and tries to stop Raven. Uh, he uses from using a stop sign. Horace hits a boot for a two count and a top rope splash for a two count. Hits the stop sign and again a top rope splash for a two count. They brawl along the outside. And then the flock come in and start to beat on Horace. We get a bell, but Saturn comes out and stops it. But then Horace nails Saturn and they all beat down on Saturn before Canyon runs out for the save. And then Saturn nails Canyon. If this is hard to listen to and follow, try watching it because I had no fucking clue what was going on there. There seemed to be this storyline of every time the flock beat on someone, one of the 
you know, more over members would save them, and then the one they were saving would beat them up anyway. It made no fucking sense to me. Moving right along, we have Tony Schiavone with Stevie Ray, and he says that he's coming for the giant for costing him Booker T's TV belt to Chris Jericho. It's really not a good promo. Stevie Ray was not really a good promo, man. He should have been really kept to the um, shouty section of the tag promos, a la Animal in the LOD. Eddie Guerrero, he has later on, but he says that he's going to take him out because he doesn't play with the cruiserweights and then go and take on the biggest guy. So way to shit on Eddie Guerrero and put over a crappy storyline match between the Giant and Stevie Ray. From there, we go and break the walls down. Yes, Chris Jericho is coming out to take on Chavo Guerrero Jr. We get some Jericho sucks chants from the crowd. He is really over as a heel at this stage in WCW. And apparently the storyline going into this match was Jericho has broken Pepe. Yes, the wooden horse pet of Chavo Guerrero. They hit some chain wrestling and Chavo stomps a mud hole in Jericho, showing some good fire. Hits a drop toe hold and then bites his ass a la the Bushwhackers. So take back what I said about the good fire. This is going to be comedy fodder all the way. He then rides a mended, including with bandages, tape, and band-aids, Pepe. So, yep, that's definitely happening. And we go to a commercial break. We come back and Jericho hits a lion salt as a transition move, only picking up a two count. Before hitting a delayed vertical suplex and his very cool late 90s cocky pin with the foot on the chest and the crossed arms over it. Only picks up a two, though. Jericho hits a spin kick and then an even better one a second time around for a two. Guerrero comes back with a clothesline and a flying forearm and then a springboard bulldog for a two count. Jericho Jericho then goes and destroys Pepe once again and rolls up Chavo for a two. Chavo gets another Pepe out from under the ring and hits Jericho with it for a disqualification. So yeah, this all happened and it wasn't great. We then have Mike Tanay replace Lee Marshall on commentary, and Bret Hart comes out to cut a promo on Lex Luger and the fans. Very generic promo from Bret here. I feel like, as a heel, he really needed to have a hot angle to be a good promo guy. He's not the kind of guy that could just come out and get really red-hot heat from what he was saying at the time. From there, we go to our next matchup, which is Disco Inferno and Alex Wright taking on the Public Enemy. Um, Did not know the Public Enemy was still around in WCW in 98, but here they are. And then commentary team sells some tension between Disco and Alex and Tokyo Magnum, who is the stooge that follows Alex Wright around and generally comes up with some botched interference. Public Enemy have some pretty bad dub music on the network. Come on, Vince, sort out some licensing fees, will you? Alex Wright then does his stupid um, wrist lock kip-ups where he's in a wrist lock being thrown to the ground on his back and he just keeps kipping up and going again. Like, I get that you're athletic, but you're basically asking them to throw you in for about 10 back bumps in a row that you're not selling. It's not really good stuff. We then get a backdrop um, of Rocco out of the ring and we get a baseball slide and some punches from Rocco. Alex Wright hits a back suplex and the public enemy hit a nice double flapjack and double clothesline before bringing a table into the ring. Tokyo Magnum eats an avalanche in place of Alex Wright through the table, and then Alex Wright takes a um, hits a neck breaker for a three count and starts dancing. Men comes out and attacks everyone. This brings out the Barbarian, who eats a tongue and death grip before Meng leaves everybody laying, bodies everywhere, and walks out in a path of destruction. So, yeah, the really the um, weird endings and overbooking here is definitely taking place already in 98 and it's not the best stuff here for finishes to the matches from there we go to our next match which was something i did kind of have high hopes for it's kevin nash taking on kurt hennig before the match 
um, Nash gets a microphone and cuts a bit of a promo on Goldberg that we'll take a listen to now. That spear is not going to As a matter of fact, Big Sexy's got the microphone. And they love him here in Fargo. Fargo, North Dakota! Wolfpack in the... Got a whole lot of red and black going on tonight. Now everybody saw what happened last Monday night. A lot of people are wondering what's on Big Sexy's mind right now when it comes to a certain gentleman named Goldberg. Bill Goldberg has been an enigma for most of us for the past year. He's a man of few words and a hell of a lot of action. So when I ran into a Monday night in Rapid City, I wasn't expecting to sit down and have a conversation. But when a man walks up to me and hands me a long neck, I figure everything's cool. This is interesting, isn't it? I didn't hear this. So, Bill Goldberg, hey, I know you're a reactionary guy. You reacted to what you thought happened that night, but you got to realize one thing, Bill. I was trying to do the right thing myself. So, anytime you're on the road for a long spell, and you run out of laundry, Big Sexy's got a black and red t-shirt just for you. Oh, boy. Oh. Recruiting pitch from Kevin Nash. Boy, open invitation, it sounds like to me. Run with the wolf pack. This brings out Hennig with Rick Rude as his manager. Um, Nash hits some corner knees and elbows before hitting a nice beal on Hennig. Rude makes a save from a big boot in the corner, and Hennig goes to work on the leg of Nash, including putting on a nice leg lock, before Nash fights back and hits a one-eyed, uh, one-eyed one-legged snake eyes, and then does hit a big boot. But Rick Rude nails the ref, and they face off before Hall comes out and jumps Nash. So it's a three-on-one beatdown before Lex Luger comes out and chases off the heels to make the save. So... Yeah, this is just a bit of a theme on the night, not really having finishes, um, not the best, but at least the action we got between Hennig and Nash was quite good. Um, Hennig um, really could still go here in 98, and definitely I enjoy seeing him. It's been a highlight of coming back and watching this era of WCW. We then go to the pre-mentioned Stevie Ray and Eddie Guerrero match. 
Eddie Guerrero starts off with a drop kick before Stevie Ray hits a big choke toss. And then the Giant and Scott Hall come on the ramp drinking and basically checking out Stevie Ray and scouting whilst taking a bit of the piss out of him a little bit. Um, we have a big bear hug from Stevie Ray and a press slam. Then a pump kick before Eddie Guerrero botches a run up the ropes. And Stevie Ray hits a pedigree, or as they call it in WCW, the slapjack for the 1-2-3 in a really bad match. Um bit of a squash of Guerrero, but then when he did get a chance to hit some offense, he didn't really execute it too well either, so just poor all round. This wasn't good. We then go to the main event, Bret Hart challenging Lex Luger for the United States title, which Luger had won from him on Monday night previously on Nitro. Uh, and if you're an old-school WWF fan like me, it's the baby faces of WrestleMania 10 exploding, so there you go. Lex puts on a headlock before Brett comes back with a slam and a leg drop for a two. They exchange some punches. Brett hits a nice hot shot and starts to beat down Luger for a while with some elbows and a Russian leg sweep. Lex hits a few clotheslines before Bret Hart gets a chair, but Lex Luger nails him with it, um, nails him, sorry, and goes to use the chair. The referee blocks it and takes a bump. Bret Hart then DDTs Luger onto the chair and wakes the ref up, but it only gets a um, two count before we get a sharpshooter from Brett and Luger passes out in typical babyface fashion and Brett Hart gets back his United States title which he'd only lost three days prior so decent um, main event here I would have again this I'm a bit of a broken record so I would have liked to have seen this go a bit longer and having watched this I think a good 15 minute pay-per-view match between these two could have been decent as well particularly with Brett playing the heel because I think that allows him to set the tempo and allows Luger to do his um you know, big power spots and get the pop. Whereas when Luger's got to do the, the long beatdown as a heel, I never really enjoyed it as much. So this is definitely something that I wouldn't mind checking out if they go again. I don't know if they do or they don't, but if they do, I'll be looking forward to it. That wraps up Thunder and Heat, the second episode of each that I've watched on the timeline. Um, both really, really enjoyable. But now it is time to go and pick ourselves a winner. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. And they stay there, and they say yeah, and they say there. Cause all I do is win, win, win. And if you go in it, put your hands yeah, Alrighty, so we have our little categories that we're gonna pick now and decide on our winner. And the first one is gonna be characters, and for this one I went with WCW. I felt as though they had probably more main eventers on their roster at this point in time, or more really big names, and they featured more of them being Hall, Nash, um, Bret Hart, Lex Luger, than the WWF did by association of their own. Like They did manage to get Taker, Mankind, and Kane on the show, but no Austin, no Rock, um, no match for Triple H just coming out to, to make the save. Um, really sort of felt as though WCW marginally scraped by with more of their big stars on the show. As for storyline, though, I went the other way, and I thought WWF had cleaner storyline advancement. WCW did advance the Bret Hart, Lex Luger stuff, and some of the other crappy storylines that were going on as well, particularly Stevie Ray challenging the Giant. But WWF, it was tight, and it looked good, and it really did make a difference. It had the one-night storyline between Draws and Jeff Jarrett, which also paid off with Jarrett ditching... Um, Tennessee Lee, but The Undertaker, Kane, and Mankind, and at, by association, Austin's storyline moved along on this one as well, and just felt as though they did a better job overall. 
for the crowd you've got to go with the 20,000 plus for WCW and say they really were into most of what they saw so they're definitely going to pick up the win there as for production value I'm going to swing back the other way and go with WWF I just felt as though heat you know maybe it's just because it's only its second week but it felt newer and fresher than Thunder Thunder's graphics and um particularly the, the lighting could definitely do with a little bit of an upgrade here which takes us to match quality and on this one I'm stumped I've had to go with a tie because all the matches that had potential had crappy finishes or went too short and nothing really got into second or third gear for my money so on this one whilst I probably gushed more over heat and was detracting more on thunder the honest assessment from you know I am a WWF fan and was quite biased in this era but I couldn't really split the two shows. I think I maybe just enjoyed Heat a little bit more because it was shorter, but it's not enough to give it the win on the category system. So we're calling this one a dead heat. Um, if you want to disagree, definitely go back and watch both shows or feel free to send me on any comments. Um, I will give everyone updates on what's happening with the show in the next couple of weeks. As I said, this is the first time I've fired my computer up in a fortnight after getting it repaired. So I have to see exactly what I have left but we will get into some more stuff. Thank you all for your patience and your continued support. We um, have had some really good download weeks, even though the shows haven't been as um, frequent as I would like, but we definitely have some more 1996 on the horizon soon, and hopefully Duncan and I are going to recover our lost and damaged session somehow and get that out to you in the next couple of weeks as well. And Richie and I are going to hit you with the 80s, and Carl and I are definitely going to have a look at Good Friends, Better Enemies, and the corresponding WCW pay-per-view. So... Keep your ear out. Uh, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll get a few more shows in the can and get back to some normality. Although knowing my life over here and the World Cup still going on, that probably isn't going to exist. Thank you all for listening. Um, as always, feel free to interact with us on Twitter and Facebook or drop me an email. And if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that would once again be very much appreciated. And I will speak to you all very soon. Come to slaughtered mics. I'm trying to be number one in my son and daughter life. Uh, all you niggas, my little rapper babies. Y'all my children, y'all bit my shit and contracted rabies. Don't you grade me next to these rappers, baby, that's degrading. My style got so many different facets. I switch into so many different passions. I'm skipping class to be fascinating. My pen is like Big Ben and shit, just a classic waiting. Your favorite rapper come at me, I'll just decapitate him. I'll hit congratulating these hazmats who had their highs. These rappers only won they matches because they strategize. I bring adequate to these patterns and here's my battle cry. Ring the alarm, the caterpillar's firing. Oh, we in a war where butterflies keep dying. This right here for the number one Number one shit with your number one You ain't number one, just another one Now everybody saying that the number one kid
pick your number one quick. Number one song, get your number one chick. Number one fly with your number one kick. When it's all done, then your number goes switch. Hold up, wait a minute. Guess what I'ma never do? Show so much respect to you. And I feel like we're friends, so now we're no longer competitors. That could be the death of you. Never let someone who's not as smart as you cash you up and tell you something you never knew. Always stay professional. You always gonna make revenue. Don't let people next to you that don't want the best for you. It's completely normal to hold on to a regret or two. I do what I wanna do. They do what I let them do. Everything these niggas be saying is a fucking lie. It's nothing I can say to you that is real. Remember when you praising the butterfly. Don't you ever disrespect the fucking caterpillar. Just right here for the number one. Number one shit with your number one. You ain't number one, just another one. Now everybody saying that the number one kid think you number one quick. Number one song, get your number one chick. Number one fly with your number one kick. When it's all done, then your number go swing. You looking at a tiller, the psychopath, the killer, the caterpillar. Don't tell me when I'm supposed to rap until, especially when your favorite rapper ain't even half as ill as ever. Still the tracks of banana pill, attack of the silverback gorilla. You're having a little trouble fathoming this is actually happening. Like Anderson Silva back when he snapped the shin in half and then had this shit hanging by a flapper skin after he tried to plant the shit back on the mat again. Had to pin a baddie like I lit when they're blinking a lot. You copy me, but you're not. You can't be but a flush. My offsprings are this moss. I see that thing, I'ma squash it and rip the wings of it off. So ring the alarm, pull the extinguishers off the wall, set the sprinklers off Like Jada Pinkett and Queen Latifah to the shingles come off the roof Wheels shout at the ceiling, slaughterhouse in the building, middle fingers aloft Say what I think when I rhyme in ink pen, I talk in a language I speak as my mind Kingpin and penguin combined, spit like it's king of the daughter Singular thought I think I will help you distinguish apart the frogs from the cream of the crop Wait a minute, hold up like a flashcard, damn dog. Zach copying or paying homage Sad because dad taught you to rap as a damn toddler yeah. My dad is your grandfather yeah. I have to rehatch on you yeah. Come back as a black wasp yeah. Half yellow jacket you can't swat a Sasquatch dancing on top of an ant Trample it and stomp it Smash it and stand on it Damn it I can't stop it The rap is a badge And I'm going in like a tampon in this bitch It's a manslaughter Stamping out grasshoppers You can't be no rap gods In fact you're exact opposite You make a wax song And can't hold a candle But even Danielson wax off You jack offs Need to come to grips like a hand job. The boom bap is coming back with an axe to mumble rap. Lumberjack with a hacksaw. Number one, but my pencils are number twos. Cause that's all I do is when I'm poop is my suit. And I'm on the john like a prostitute when I'm dropping a deuce. And when I'm producing them lyrical power movements, these beats are like my saloon. Cause these bars always got my stools in them. And I don't even matter muse or to loosen them. Bitch, shit is real like I poop Jerusalem. I'm about to go spin off the cocoon. And I'm cutting you from your mother's womb. Then I'm flushing you.